Ethan Couch was by all accounts a very privileged young man. He had houses, cars, and was driving because his parents didn't supervise him by the age of 13. However, in 2013, all this would come to a head when he, driving drunk and under the influence of prescription drugs, plowed into four people, taking their lives and seriously injuring nine others. And this was all chalked up to affluenza. Basically too rich to know better. Well, that's what we're going to look at today. The affluenza team on Thought Crime. ...level of a 16-year-old driver involved in a deadly chain reaction accident was three times the legal limit. But the boy has not been arrested, even though the slew of anticipated charges were listed on the accident report, including four counts of intoxication manslaughter. Hey everyone, welcome to Thought Crime, Keto and Crime, and Keto Comic. Oh, finally back. I'm so sorry I've been gone. I had a nasty bout of whatever respiratory bug is going around over the holidays, and there's a several days I couldn't talk. My family was quite happy about that, but I wasn't. So um, I'm back, and today we're going to get into the affluenza teen, Ethan Couch, pictured here for those of you watching on video. This case uh, made national headlines uh, when it occurred back in 2013 through 2015 and coined the term affluenza, which basically means too rich to know right from wrong. <sighs> America, right? Let's get into it. Ethan Couch was born April 11, 1997 to Tanya and Fred Couch, Tarrant County, Texas. Uh, Fred was the owner of a very successful sheet metal business. Tanya was a homemaker. This was both of Ethan's parents' second marriage. Tanya did have a daughter from a previous marriage, whose testimony will come into play later on in the trial. But uh, by all accounts, a very upper middle to very wealthy family. Uh, they owned several homes, several vehicles, uh, basically, Ethan raised himself, by all accounts. Um, Tanya and Fred had their own run-ins with the law. They also were known to drink, use drugs. Uh, basically, were, Fred was kind of a workaholic as well. So, basically, the kids, both Tanya's older daughter and Ethan, lived in this huge house in Texas and basically raised themselves. Not a whole lot going on. In fact, uh, they allowed Ethan to start driving at the ripe old age of 13. For any of you those hearing noise in the background, that is my pit bull chat snoring. Say hi, Jack. <laughs> he was not amused. Anyway, I just kind of shook him and said, stop snoring. So hopefully we won't hear that anymore. But as I said, he was allowed to start driving at the age of 13. Even though he was born in Tarrant County, Texas, they resided most of Ethan's life in the town of Burleson. 
And while in Burleson, he attended Anderson Private School, a very expensive private school, only attended by very upper middle class to wealthy individuals. Um, he came into, uh, his father got in kind of a squabble with one of the teachers at Anderson because basically it was found that not only were his parents allowing him to drive to the corner store or into town at the age of 13, they started allowing him to drive himself to school because I guess they couldn't be bothered or didn't want their son riding the bus. I don't know. But uh, a teacher confronted the father saying he is not allowed to drive himself to school and I'll get the school board involved if I have to. Well, basically, Fred was quoted as saying, well, I'll just buy the school. And unfortunately, he found out he couldn't just buy the school. So he pulled his son out over not being allowed to drive at the age of 13 and enrolled him in a homeschooling program. But unfortunately, part of the component of homeschooling is you actually receive schooling at home. Neither Fred nor Tanya had the time or patience to do that. So this boy just simply ran amok and had a tutor that would help him pass the standardized tests that are required for a homeschooling program because even though you're homeschooling there is some testing involved that you have to pass by a qualified service so they were helping him do that even though this boy was not receiving hardly any schooling at all by the time he was 16 he had quit that cor that correspondence homeschooling program and was taking basically general education classes at a local community college college so this child was basically studying to get a ged by all accounts Great parents, these two. Um, at the age of 15, uh, Ethan was uh, char arrested and charged with a minor consumption of alcohol and minor possession of alcohol when he was caught outside a dollar store uh, in Burleson, drunk, urinating in public against the wall of the store, while a passed out, intoxicated 14-year-old girl was in the, his parked Ford bright red F-350 Dooley pickup truck. A 15-year-old with that kind of vehicle. I wish I had that kind of vehicle. And I'm 45. Good Lord. What's going on in Burleson, Texas? Anyway, uh, Tanya was called to the scene. She and both children were released into their parents' care. Um, he was he pled no contest, which basically as a minor means he doesn't admit guilt, but doesn't fight it either. He was sentenced to eight hours of community service and compulsory alcohol awareness classes. Now, by Tanya's own admission, they never completed the uh, community service, and he, but he did take the alcohol awareness class. And they actually kept this arrest and conviction secret from... Father Fred. Ethan had a lot of uh, training up as a future criminal, though. Uh, both parents were convicted of several misdemeanors uh, and lowercase felonies. Uh, in 2013 and 14, Fred had been charged with criminal mischief, writing bad checks, assault, and was even arrested when he impersonated a police officer, badge and all, at a disturbance call. In 2013, Tanya was sentenced to $500 fine and a six-month community service when she was convicted of reckless driving by driving using her vehicle as a weapon, forcing another vehicle off the road. So Ethan had a lot of training in how to use his vehicle as a weapon, I suppose.
Uh, again, it's not a crime to be a bad parent, though I think it should be. But uh, this is the background this young man had and absolutely was running wild. Uh, the couple had several houses. They lived in their huge, sprawling estate near Fort Worth, but they did still maintain a house in Burleson, Texas, where they were was allowing Ian to stay during the summer of two, Ethan to stay during the summer of 2013, supposedly for him to get it ready for them to sell. Quote unquote. But of course, there wasn't a whole lot of getting it ready to sell going on. Ethan and his friends spent that summer partying. He uh, basically, as he wasn't really attending school, uh, basically there was a party at the Burleson Roadhouse every night. There were reports of noise complaints and things like that, that nothing ever seemed to get done. Nothing ever seemed to get done about it. So he was this young, now 16-year-old man, was living in this house alone partying and drinking every night with his friends getting noise complaints nothing ever done and of course he and plus just now old enough to drive of course he's driving that same f-350 uh, red dually around around town rather recklessly he had been uh, seen playing chicken with people on the two-lane highway that ran in front of the burleson roadhouse as well as just general wet reckless driving. Nothing ever seemed to happen to the young man, though. Then we get to June 15th, 2013, the date of the fatal crash. Earlier in the night, uh, the red 2012 F-350 Dooley, owned actually by his father Fred, though he drove most of the time, was seen speeding up and down Burleson Road at 70 miles per hour on a 40 mile per hour zone. The teenagers were observed at the local Walmart about three hours before the fatal crash, which happened at 11 p.m., actually stealing cases of beer. There was a big party going on at the Burleson Roadhouse. They needed more alcohol, so they actually went and stole it and come to find out that's how they were getting most of the alcohol they used for their parties. They were stealing it. So they stole several cases of beers and went back, drank the beer, continued to party. The one girl at the party that was not drinking said that she needed to run up to the convenience store to get a snack. Ethan offered to drive her, even though other people at the party were later quoted as saying they tried to get him not to drive because he was clearly not able to drive. He had also, not in addition to drinking, he'd also been taking Valium, smoking marijuana, Drug, drug abuse of prescription drugs, especially those owned by his mother, was something Ethan had been doing his entire life. So he basically said, nope, I know what I'm doing. I've done this before. He got into the truck with the young lady to drive her to the convenience store. About nine of his friends also jumped into the truck, many of them in the truck's flatbed. This was between 10 and 11 p.m. by all accounts. Those of the teens at the party, as well as other people at the scene of the accident, said that all this happened between 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. The victims of this uh, tragic accident, for those of you watching on video, they're here to your right, my left. You had Brianna Mitchell, pictured here in the red dress. You can easily Google these, and for those of you listening on Thought Crime and find these pictures. 
Brianna Mitchell was a 24-year-old college student working as a catering assistant. On this evening, she had just finished working a catering event and was on her way home along Burleson Redder Road between 10 and 11 p.m. Up here you have Eric Boyles, his wife uh, Haley, or Holly, excuse me, and his daughter Shelby. Um, the Boyles lived in Burleson on Burleson Road. The accident took place right in front of their home. Shelby was a college nursing student on home for summer break. The three had just finished watching a movie and eating fried chicken, which was Shelby's favorite dish, and were about to retire for the evening when they heard a crash out in front of their home. They immediately went out and found Brianna Mitchell's white SUV crashed on their side of the road onto their neighbor's large mailbox, one of the mailboxes that are covered with a brick, one of those large, like, you can't destroy it type mailboxes. Her car had veered, her SUV had veered off the road and crashed into it. All accounts said that she had not been drinking. She was coming home from work and had evidently either been too tired and, and dozed off momentarily while she was driving or potentially because the SUV was so mangled they really couldn't tell potentially there was a tire blowout or something else that caused her to veer off the road and strike the mailbox she was of course visibly shaken immediately Eric went in to call the police while um, Holly and Shelby went out to see if they could help the very frightened young lady uh, they used Brianna used Shelby's cell phone to call her mother to come get her as well as Father Eric already calling the police to respond and a tow truck. So they stood out there with her talking, trying to calm her down until her mom got there. Also about two miles down the road at the McConnell house, there was a graduation party going on for a group of seniors at a local church. Brian Jennings pictured here with one of his daughters, for those of you on video, was the youth pastor at that church and had helped organize the party. In fact, all the tables and chairs had come from the church and the McConnells had graciously allowed them to use their home that included a pool to have this graduation party. The party was ending. So Brian, his son Evan, and the McConnell's son, Luke, packed up all of the white folding chairs and tables into the back of Brian's white pickup truck to take them back to the church and they were also on their way down Burleson Redder Road from the other direction at around 11 p.m. on this June on June 15th. They arrived at the scene of Miss Mitchell's accident and Brian pulled over telling the kids to remain in the truck he was going to see if he could help and he went back to see if he could be of some assistance to the people standing out in front of the SUV. Also mentioned on this page was Sergio Molina. Now there were lots of victims of this accident, but many of them did not have super serious injuries and they went on to fully recover. The four we've just talked about were killed. Sergio Molina was permanently disabled. He cannot speak, cannot walk. And this is him uh, down here to the lower right. Uh, he was riding in the back of the truck that was driven by Ethan Couch. All right, 11 p.m., the Boyles finish watching their movie. They hear a crash outside their home. They run out to investigate. Holly and Shelby went down to help 
the victim of a one-car accident, the white SUV driven by Brianna Mitchell. The car, the SUV is pictured here after it was again struck by Ethan's Ethan's truck. But they went down to see if they could help. Eric moved back inside to call the police. They allowed Brianna to use Shelby's cell phone to call her mom. And they stood out there and waited for her. In the meantime, getting closer to 11 p.m., Brian Jennings driving this white pickup truck here filled with uh, tables and chairs from the church graduation party on his way back to the church to return them, sees the one vehicle crash and stops to help. He tells his son, Evan, and Luke McConnell, the son of the people hosting the party at their home, to remain in the truck. He was going to go see if he could help. He immediately leaves and goes out and joins the Boyles and Miss Mitchell in front of her SUV as it's slightly off the road. Now remember, her SUV had veered off the road. It wasn't just stopped in the road. It had veered off for what for whatever reason, either a mechanical failure or she fell asleep, and it had veered off and struck the Boyle's neighbor's mailbox and was in the ditch in front of their home. Mr. Jennings pulled his truck up. He pulled ahead of them and kind of backed up and was sitting in front of the SUV, also more in the ditch than on the road, with his cautions lights on, ran back to see if he could help. All right. 11 p.m., Ethan Couch and his friends in uh, the 2012 Ford F-350 Dually racing down the two-lane road towards the Boyle's house, toward the Boyle's house. Garrett Ballard, who was another teenager in the back of the truck, along with Sergio, said that he was screaming for Ethan to slow down. He had easily crossed 70 miles per hour in a 40-mile-per-hour mile zone, was playing chicken with cars in the other in the other lanes, kind of souping over and then you know, moving over at the last minute before they collided, was by all accounts driving recklessly, tooting the horn, just boys going crazy. He was screaming for him to stop. Garrett said he looked ahead and saw one or possibly two vehicles parked on the side of the road. Ethan was veering so far over towards the ditch he was afraid they were going to strike. He told Ethan, please stop. He said that that's the last words he spoke because about that time, the car, the truck did veer over into the ditch. It struck Miss Mitchell's SUV. So Ethan's truck, as related by Garrett Ballard, slammed into Brianna Mitchell's white SUV, sort of pushed it out of the way. You can see that carnage kind of here. It then struck Brianna Mitchell, the boils, and Pastor Jennings, catapulting and killing them instantly, and then slammed into the back of the white pickup truck owned by Pastor Jennings, carrying it further up the road with the two boys inside. And this is the remains of Mr. Jennings' truck in the ditch across the street from where the accident took place. And Ethan's truck, because once it hit, it went airborne, turned a complete 180, then back over another 90 degrees and landed top down in the yard of the, of the lot next to the Boyle's house. About that time, Eric Bowles, who was still inside calling the police, said he heard what could only be described as a sonic boom, which shook his entire house. He immediately ran out to see what was happening and saw the carnage all around him and ran immediately to look for his wife and daughter.
bodies were everywhere. When this truck hit, all of the teenagers in the back of it went airborne. There were bodies of teenagers lying all along the road in the ditch. Some were conscious, some weren't. He was shouting for his wife and daughter. He was shouting, Holly Shelby, where are you running down the road? He found the remains of his wife in a ditch. He said it was obvious to him that his wife was was deceased. She was found in a ditch about an eighth of a eighth of a mile down the road. That's how far it catapulted those bodies. He immediately ran further down the road to where he saw the what appeared to be a young girl up against the fence on that same side. And when he approached, he realized it was Shelby and she was also deceased. By this point, lots of cars are starting to drive by and they're stopping to see if they can help. A 911 call I'm going to play for you is a woman screaming there are bodies everywhere. And with 911, half a dozen other frantic calls come in. There's four or five kids, there's kids waiting in ditches and streets. Are you with the accident right now? Oh, Lord, oh, yes, there's another child in the ditch. Oh, my God. They're already. Corbin Clark and his mother, Shannon also stopped to assist what they thought was probably a victim of the accident, a young, scruffy-headed teenager wearing nothing but swimming trunks, lying in a ditch about a quarter mile down the road from the accident. This was Ethan Couch. He had somehow either been catapulted or had gotten himself out of the car, out of the truck's cab, and walked that far before he collapsed. Corbin said, his mother told him to stay with the boy. She was going to go see if she could help. He came conscious while Corbin was still standing there. And he said, hey, man, hey, man, I'm Ethan. Don't worry about this. I'll get you out of it. So evidently, Ethan thought Corbin was also involved in the accident. When all was said and done, Ethan Couch was charged with four counts of intoxication manslaughter and two counts of intoxication assault for the injuries to Sergio and to Luke McConnell, who was in the white truck, was also injured during the accident. The others had scrapes, bruises, broken limbs, but he was charged with a total of two counts of assault for the most serious injuries, as well as the four counts of manslaughter for the four people that died. Uh, Brian Jennings' wife was also traveling along behind, coming back from the party. She pulled up with her three children in the car, saw that her husband was involved in the accident, found him. Uh, a, a man was already administering uh, CPR, but it was obvious that he wasn't going to pull out of it. Um, Brianna Mitchell's mother also arrived to be told that her daughter was deceased. Um, once it was all, all the dust cleared, four people were dead. Two had been seriously injured. Um, the trial dragged on, as you can imagine. Uh, it finally got going December 2013, where the defense attorney brought in by the couches hired Dr. G. Dick Miller, because of course his name was Dick, to testify on Couch's behalf. Miller claimed that Couch's wealthy upbringing, the history of recklessness put forth by his parents, had made him incapable of knowing right from wrong. He thought his behavior was just status quo. And at that point, he termed the term influ affluenza, meaning a fluency and virus put together 
affluenza, and he it was coined to describe people that are so rich, they think they're above the law. And he said that as a result, that it wasn't the boy who was still a minor, he was 16 at the time, it was not his fault. It was the fault of his parents. But because bad parenting isn't a crime, his parents were not charged either. It came down to the end of December 2013 when Judge Jen Boyd, pictured here for those of you watching on video, sentenced Ethan to 10 years of probation and drug and alcohol treatment. And the drug and alcohol treatment was to take place in a posh resort in Southern California to the tune of about half a million dollars, which his father gladly paid for. Uh, this pretty much ended her career. She did not run for re-election, as you can imagine, uh, because people were so outraged. Uh, lawsuits were filed by all injured parties and those uh, survivors of those that had been killed. These were all settled out of court. And in every single one of them, the couches never admitted faults. Part of the 10 years of Ethan's probation was that he would not drive or engage in uh, use of alcohol or drugs. However, a video of him surfaced on Facebook and other social media platforms in 2015 of him drinking and playing beer pong with some other boys. This was released by the family of one of the victims that he killed. She happened to be at the same party videoed him and got his ass good because unrecognized condition caused by his spoiled upbringing that apparently prevented him from knowing right from wrong. I have never seen a case that sparked such outrage, that sparked such emotion from people. Four totally innocent people were taken away in a second by the irresponsible actions of this juvenile. That video posted earlier this month to Twitter <laughs> shows Couch at a party near a beer pong table. The sheriff believes that is what caused Couch, who is not supposed to drink according to his probation, to skip his next probation meeting and flee. But I think that was the trigger that sent him running once that video surfaced. The U.S. Marshals and FBI joined the hunt for Couch last week amid worries the parole... She released it online. Upon seeing it, Ethan and his mom, Tanya, knew he was in deep shit, so she immediately took him and fled to Mexico, where he dyed his signature blonde hair black, as seen here, for those of you on video. They pled to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, which uh, in late in the fall of 2015 was full of U.S. tourists, so he was easily recognized. They weren't the smartest this bunch. And uh, they were arrested by Mexican officials and extradited back to the U.S.A. Ethan was sentenced to two years in jail for breaking the terms of his probation. He was released in 2017. Mom Tanya was released on bond and is still awaiting the final dispensement of her charges. Uh, of course, mom and dad have long since divorced and... Back to business as usual. He still runs his sheet, Fred still runs his sheet metal business in Texas, and Ethan still works there. So, there you go. What happens to a, a fluent teenager that murders four people? Not much. Not much. Hope you enjoyed this. I'll be back soon. 
Let me know what you think about this case down below. Is he going to Is he finally done? You think with uh, bad behavior? Do you think he's going to continue to do it? What do you think of this this ruling? Is this a real thing? I I tend to think it is that maybe some rich people do think they're above the law and that's a problem. Hopefully this case will show them that they're not. Though he really didn't get a whole lot of punishment for what he did. I know he was a minor, but come on. Anyway, give me your opinion. What do you think of this? Let me know down below. And I'll be back real soon. Keto Comic.